swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. If you, if you don't recognize this voice, well, that's your own fault because it is one of the most recognizable around this town. A legend, a legend here at Seattle Sports 710. It is Dave Grosby who joins me now on Extra Innings. Groz, cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to have you on tonight. Well, Curtis, thanks. It's great to be on Extra Innings. It's great to be talking baseball in Seattle with October approaching. Absolutely. We, we're 10 games away from the start of the postseason. The Mariners have a magic number of six right now. Graz, you have, have been in this town during the most successful years of the Mariners franchise. You know what it's like to cover postseason baseball in this town. It's it's something new for for somebody like me who's never had that opportunity potentially here. Hopefully, the Mariners can can finish it out. But what what was it like back when you were covering the Mariners? Just every day, feeling like it was a matter of life and death with this team. Yeah, man, you're not kidding. I mean, especially the the, the first year they made it in '95 where it happened so late, you know, in the year. I mean, it was like this. In fact, the drought was is longer now than it was then, but they hadn't been in the postseason, and, and uh, you know, there was the, the election hanging in the balance, so it seemed like it was bigger than life uh, itself. It, it meant the, the future of the team staying in the town or not, and then six weeks to go in the season, it just became an incredible, incredible race to the finish. And it never let up. I mean, it never let up. And that's, that's kind of what this is going to feel like, I think, because of the way the playoffs are set up. If they, if they get a chance to get a little bit of a run in there, because you know, the fact that you're playing three games right out of the shoot, if you get into the postseason, which I'm confident they're going to get there. I know it's, it's been, it's been rattling and Sunday was a real (laughs) cage rattler. I mean, I, I get that, but you know they're gonna they're gonna get there, and then it's like I said, an interesting run because you you, you blast with three in a row, and then and you got to go play uh, play the Yankees or play the Astros. So um, it's 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 fun when the town gets going, and and you know one of the things that 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 sticks out as much as anything was the fact that in the Kingdom that first year in '95, and it's something that people kept doing all the way through this run. You know, lasted about six, four playoff appearances in about six years. And, you know, you had, you had fans rising to their feet for whenever there was two strikes on a batter. And it made sense when Randy Johnson was pitching. It was a little, little weird when Chris Bosio was pitching, but it didn't make one damn bit of difference to the fans. I mean, they, they, they got on their feet and went nuts. And, and the crowd, I, I still maintain, Curtis, you know, I've, I've heard the crowds at Seahawks games and whatnot, but I've never heard a louder crowd than game five of that 95 series with the Yankees. Uh, this, this town has got, has got baseball in its, in its DNA, and it's been longing for a playoff appearance. And, and I think, you know, if they're fortunate enough to get some games here at home in that first round, it's going to blow people away how, how intense this crowd is going to become. You mentioned that 1995 season, just the uh, craziness of it all covering it, and then just the miraculous comeback that the Mariners made that season. A big part of it was the return of Ken Griffey Jr. and, and his uh, wrist injury that he suffered in the beginning part of the season. But but looking at the parallels of that Mariners era and what it is now, you have sure. Ken, you had Ken Griffey Jr. back then. You look at Julio Rodriguez now, 
Is he maybe the one athlete since Junior's departure that you think could potentially scratch the surface of what Junior was? Uh, throwing Alex Rodriguez out of the mix, yes. I mean, I, I do think that, that he is – he, he he can be that, and look, you know, I mean, let, let's not burden this this kid with something that's completely unfair. We're talking about the the you know the all time leading vote getter for for position players in the Hall of Fame in Ken Griffey. So we're talking about one of the one of the best players to play in the 150 year history of the game. So you know, I don't want to I don't want to put too much pressure on Julio. But to answer your question, yes, I, I think there's no question that you feel like this is the first truly special player. That that you have created in your system, you know, in the in the position player sense, uh, since since Griffey, since A Rod, and you know the sky's the limit for him. And then I think the thing that that, that jumps out about ninety five, then jumping back to that, is you were right about Griffey missing a chunk of the year, uh, then comes comes back and actually his home run off John Wetland August twenty third or twenty fourth really is what got the the roll of the playoffs going. But then they got to the playoffs, and you know he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. I mean, Edgar Martinez was amazing too. They had a couple of guys who just went went nuts. But but that was the that was the thing that really I thought boosted the Mariners in that first round. You know, as great as Edgar was, you know, Junior was Junior, and if Julio Rodriguez can can shake off uh, you know the back thing, which I think they got to take their time and make sure he's okay, and has a chance to to impact games the way he has impacted games during the season, that's the sort of thing that that vibrates through an entire team, through an entire clubhouse. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that there's some parallels there, and it would be great to see them play out in the playoffs. We're joined by the one and only Graz here on Extra Innings. And Graz, you and I, we were texting during the game yesterday uh, when the Mariners blew the nine-run lead and lost to Kansas City 13-12 yesterday. Just kind of the parallels between that. And in 2001, for those who may not recall, the Mariners blew a 12-run lead in on a Sunday night against Cleveland, losing mm-hmm. that game 14-13, to I believe it was. Uh, when or fifteen fourteen something ridiculous like that, yeah. Graz. When when you look at the fallout from yesterday's game compared to that other historic collapse, mm-hmm. uh, what did it feel like in two thousand one when that happened compared to what it felt like yesterday? Well, I think it's probably not not fair to compare the two because you know in two thousand and one that was your fourth year in the postseason in six you were having this epic season. I mean, at that point, you were already 20, 25 games up. It was fairly late in the season when it happened. So it was a curiosity as much as anything. I mean, it really did not impact you. Uh, you know, unfortunately, as we all know, uh, you know, things were coming in September that were going to dramatically impact the season for the Mariners and for all of baseball. But that game itself, because the fact that the team A had been a winner, had been in the postseason a couple of times, uh, and then B was, was so far and away the best team in baseball, it didn't have the same sort of impact that yesterday has. The, the, the bottom line, though, Curtis, for all this thing, you know, for then and now, is just one game. You know, it's just one game. It felt like losing five yesterday, but it's just one, and and that's that's the important thing to remember going forward. And I think another thing to, me- to mention uh, in terms of uh, the '95 team now for a second is that team had very little postseason experience going into the postseason, very little, and. This team, you know, is kind of in the same boat. They've got some guys with some, but but not a lot of postseason experience. And and that's where when the things that you were used to having happen during the year, you know, Griffey being a great player, stepping up and, and playing well in the postseason, helped the team. So, you know, I think that's one of the things those 95 teams have in common. Again, the 01 team, 
had, even though they had lost some guys, you know, they had, had so much playoff experience, and you had a playoff experience manager for crying out loud, Lou Pinella there. So it was really I, my my memory of it was much more of a curiosity. What an odd thing, what a baseball thing to happen uh, than yesterday, which is kind of you know makes you think that the sky is falling because you know it's been 21 years and we're a little jumpy. <laughs> to say the least, I think we're we're all very much on edge when it comes to this team because yeah, you you read that they have a ninety nine percent chance of making the playoffs. I think FanGraphs has them at ninety nine point eight even after yesterday's game, and it's kind of like well, I don't want to buy that. that. I don't want to buy yeah. that until we see them popping champagne and celebrating yeah. at. You know, on the mound at T-Mobile Park here on this homestand. Uh, joined by the Graz here on Extra Innings. Graz, you look at uh, over the weekend, we got the news that Luis Castillo was signed to a five-year contract extension. He had his press conference today over at T-Mobile Park. I mean, when you went first off, when you saw the Mariners make the trade, what was your initial reaction to it? And now that we know that he is going to be a part of this Mariners team for the foreseeable future, how do you view it uh, a couple months after? First reaction was they're going for it this year. It's obvious, uh, and it's obvious to everyone in the in the dugout in the clubhouse. This is the sort of move that galvanizes everyone because uh, it's a move that shows your plan plan for now. And then, considering he was signed for another year, uh, this extension is is fantastic, fantastic news because what it means is the Mariners now have, uh, are, are like the other elite playoff type teams in that they now have uh, some arms in the minor leagues that they can use to to make deals. Uh, to continue to contend over the years, when, when you when you become a contender, you know you you use uh, you, your prospects as much as as you use them to you know come up to the majors. You use them as, as bargaining chips to get pieces to to play right now, and that has not been the case with this franchise in, in over two decades. And and that's the thing that jumped out at me when they signed Castillo was, boy, you know they got some young arms in their system now. And and look, you know I'm not I'm not saying you want to get rid of all of them just you know willy nilly, but you 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 have them. A big part of the reason to have to have prospects is, is to trade them for the pieces you need to contend or, or to take it to the next level to, to you know contend for a World Series. And the Mariners are now at that level. So I thought you know the fact that they've got you know a couple of you know they, well the five they've got right now. If you look at them, you know locked in for a while here. I mean you've you've got some flexibility now. You've got the ability to to add to this team in the years to come. So I I, I like the move very much. I like Castillo, although I, I, I kind of like to see him go six or seven innings. I, I know he's, he's been a five-inning guy for the most part, and that's the way things are right now. Maybe it'll be different in the postseason, but, you know, I mean, what's not to like about him? He's a tremendous, tremendous talent, and I thought it was a great move, uh, again, kind of signaling to the rest of the league that the Mariners are playing baseball now, playing hardball now, and they're going to be in the mix for, for, for top players for, for the years to come because they get, they're planning on being in the playoff mix for the years to come. He is the Graz. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at the Graz. Graz, tell the people what you've got going on with your old partner Gas on Twitter. It's a lot of fun tuning into you guys. Thanks, Curtis. You know, me and Gas are sitting around doing nothing, and I said, you know what? Why don't what are you what are you doing Friday at 11 a.m. and and he said nothing. I said, why don't we do why don't we do a Twitter Spaces? So it's take five with Graz with Gas. The problem is at our age we can't tell time anymore. <laughs> so it's supposed to be five minutes. It winds up being a lot longer than that. But we just, you know, you know, just just kind of shoot the shoot the breeze about about what's going on, and and uh, you know, kind of get the old chemistry going, and and have a lot of laughs, and and it made sense to kind of start it up with with football season beginning, and and what a great start it's been for for the college football teams, although tough break for the Cougars yesterday, or excuse me, on Saturday, 
And then with the Mariners, you know, flying high, you know, it just made sense to, to kind of make it on a Friday and, and, and see if people liked it. So we've done a few weeks of it. It's they're available. If you haven't heard them yet, they're out there. They're on there right now. You can just go on my, uh, on, uh, at the garage. You can find one of them on there. They stay, they came up for a couple of weeks and, um, it, it's fun. So I appreciate you letting me mention it, Curtis. It's, it's, if you want to hear it live, it's Fridays at 11 a.m. And it's Twitter spaces and it's a, it's a reunion of Garage with Gas, take five. Uh, but it's more like take 11 or take 13 or take 15. We've got a lot to say still. Clock integrity. You, you, you know, it either stays with you or you, or you leave it at, at the I'm, station. I'm, I'm, I'm not a pro like you anymore, Curtis. I can't <laughs> hit my marks anymore. <laughs> well, Graz, really appreciate you stopping by here on Extra Innings. You are welcome to join whenever you feel like it, whenever you've got some Mariners takes you want to get off your chest. Really appreciate you stopping by here on this Monday night. Well, I'll tell you something, buddy. You, you're doing a great job with this show. Uh, I've been watching your career for years, and, and it's, it's still going in the right direction. And, and this is this is a great addition to the sports scene and a continued success to you. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Man, if hearing from the garage doesn't brighten your day, I don't know what will. Coming up next on the other side, we hear from Adam Jude of the Seattle Times. He joined Bump and Stacy earlier today to give his firsthand account of witnessing that Mariners series against the Royals in Kansas City. That's coming your way next. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. In about a half hour from now, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest stories and news and notes from baseball from over the weekend, including Albert Pujols' 700th home run in a round of pepper. That's how we round out every single edition of Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station. But up next, Adam Jude of the Seattle Times covers the gamut for the Times. He was in Kansas City for this Mariners series against against the Royals, and he joined Bump and Stacy earlier today to talk about just what he sees from this team as they kind of make their way back home sputtering. Not necessarily out of control yet. I mean, they did call the all-team meeting yesterday following the game, but how does Adam Jude think of this team right now as they head home after one of the toughest road trips of the entire season or one of the road trips, I should say, that did not go the Mariners' way at really any turn. Here is Adam Jude on with Bump and Stacey earlier today. Oh, boy. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's weird to wake up today and realize that was uh, less than 24 hours ago in, in Kansas City. And um, Look, I know the Mariners, uh, they were dragging, clearly. You could see it on TV. Um, I watched from, from Seattle the, the first couple of legs of that road trip. Flew out to Kansas City to, to cover that series the last few days. And these guys are dragging, right? They're it's like they're on the freeway. The the light's been flashing. The, the the tank is empty. It's been on E for a few miles now. They're just desperate to get to the exit, right? They Heart can racing. See, they can see the finish line, right? Can we make it? Can we make it to the gas station? And the, this gas station is is uh, is the prize of October for this team. And look, they've captivated a city. Um, they've got Julio Rodriguez, the most captivating star in baseball. Um, it's been such a fun summer for these guys, and yet it just feels like what a bummer, right? To to kind of come home limping home like this uh, was such an ugly, devastating defeat yesterday. And yet it was interesting walking to that clubhouse. Obviously, very quiet yesterday after that just brutal loss. I wrote as their worst loss in in years, and it really was. Mm-hmm. But you know, J.P. Crawford is a guy who's always had a really interesting perspective about this stuff, and he says, "Look, we're fine. Obviously, we have to wear this on the chin." 
It's not a great day, not a fun day, but they've been looking forward to today, this off day Monday, to get back home, to kind of reset, recharge, refuel, and then really push hard here over these last 10 games. They're home. They've had some great atmospheres, great crowds um, here at T-Mobile Park. And again, not to sound too rosy about this stuff, but it, it was interesting for me to kind of hear some of their tone, some of the perspective they had, um, and, and just where they are, because they are still – Despite playing really, really bad baseball on this road trip, they're still in a pretty good position um, as they head down the stretch here these final 10 games. Adam, I love that analogy of being on the highway. It gave and, me anxiety, and on e Because I've been there plenty of times in my life. And right. when you get to that gas station and you fill up, whoo, Well, when you get to the gas station go. and there's a line, let me tell you what, your so, heart stops. So today on the off day, they are refueling, right? They're going to... They're gonna, fill that tank, and be ready to go. But I think about just the emotional leadership of this team. And it's funny that I, the first person I think of is Julio Rodriguez. I imagine him jogging off the diamond, smiling, knowing that he's going to uh, win a baseball game. I think about Suarez and how he's light in the dugout. How important is it emotionally not having these guys during this time? Oh, it's huge. And, and to kind of continue the analogy, I guess, if, if they're in a cramped car, you know, Julio is probably the kid in the backseat jumping out if they do run out of gas and pushing them, right, the final <laughs> final mile to the gas station, right? He's got that energy. I'll, I'll do it, guys. I'll do it. And he'd, he'd get them there, right? He'd push them across the finish line. And maybe that does happen. You know, he's, he's uh, eligible to come off the injured list uh, next week, you know, in time for that Detroit series to close things out. Again, we'll see what happens over the next week if he's able to, to rest enough to, to kind of heal up that back. Um, but, man, you talked – you know, Bump, you said – you know, Julio is the first guy that comes to mind for you. To me, it is Gino. It's, it's, it's uh, Eugenio Suarez because, you know, for as exciting and for as electric and for all the energy that Julio has brought to this team, Gino's really kind of been the pulse, right? He's, mm-hmm. he, yeah. The good vibes, only things, he, it's real. He lives that, and that's really kind of taken over this team um, this year. And, and it's just such a weird freak injury. You think about it, I think it was the – the fourth inning of the first game on this road trip, right? In Anaheim, just a weird, bad bounce on that ground ball. Caught him just in the right spot on the tip of his right uh, throwing index finger, and, and he hasn't been able to play since. But talking to him this weekend in Kansas City, he was his usual upbeat self. He's pretty confident he'll be able to come back tomorrow. And then DH, maybe they get him back later in the week to play third base too. Um, he hasn't thrown yet. But, um, look, there's no question they, they're missing those guys. This is a beat-up team right now. Um, not to make excuses for them, but they are hurting. Um, you look at the lineup they put out there yesterday. Obviously, they've had to lean a lot on Jared Kelnick here in the last few games, and he's played really well to his credit for all he's been through. Uh, Taylor Trammell there in left field. They've had to lean on Abraham Toro. These are not guys that they've had, you know, two weeks ago they had penciled into, you know, sort of the lineup for a pennant chase. But uh, it's a patchwork team right now. They're trying to make it work. They're trying to kind of push – push this beat up engine over the finish line here. And, and again, I do think they're looking forward to getting home, feeling the energy from this crowd. I think, that, you know, considering the schedule, considering the teams that have coming in here, they should be able to somehow, some way um, push it across here. Now my key fear about this team or worry or concern is the offense. That being said, the offense wasn't the one walking batters, giving up singles, doubles, home runs, and, and allowing the, uh, the Royals to really get back in this game. That fell on your starters in your bullpen who just epically collapsed. Adam, is there at least a kind of reassurance in saying, well, I don't really think the bullpen is going to regularly collapse or the starting rotation or Luis Castillo is going to regularly have a bad game? Or is there concern? 
Yeah, no, it, they've been so good, yeah. so year, so all year, and it's just such a weird game yesterday, right? They get up eleven to two, and it, as Scott Service said, look, they let their guard down, right? If you're um, Eric Swanson in the bullpen, if you're Matt Brash, if you're the high leverage guys in the bullpen, you're like, oh, great, you know, you're probably kicking your cleats off, you're getting ready, packing your bags, uh, you know, at least emotionally, getting ready for that flight home, and seeing your family, and sleeping in your own bed last night. All of a sudden. Oh my God, you know, they're called onto the game. You lose that sharpness. You lose that edge, right? They're professionals that should have been able to, to kind of turn it around, uh, you know, at the flip of a switch, but, um, it's not always that easy, right? And we saw that with Matt Brash. Hadn't allowed a run in six weeks since mid August. He has been incredible for that bullpen. All of a sudden he gives up four. You know, you think about really the, the big hit, the big blow yesterday was that double into the gap by Bobby Witt Jr. Um, that Jared Kelnick lost. Lost mm-hmm. in the sun. It was the last second. It looked like Jared had a beat on it. Yeah, it was, it was into the gap. It was almost all the way to the warning track. But I think Jared was about to catch that. And all of a sudden, last second, he lost it in the sun. And again, to Jared's credit, he wasn't the only one last night. Taylor Tremell lost one in the sun last night. Bobby Wood Jr. for the Royals lost one, too. It was just kind of a weird afternoon, a perfect storm of, of, uh, of everything coming together. And that inning, a bloop single that just fell into to left field there. It's just such a weird inning. Eric Swanson's been so good. He's he's led the ER uh, led the American League in, in ERA most of the summer. It's just such a weird game, such a weird inning. Uh, you know, it's been it's been forever since uh, we've seen a game like that in Major League Baseball. You know, I, I I did kind of find it funny. I saw the math on the winning percentage of that game yesterday was at ninety nine point seven percent or whatever uh, in the sixth inning for the Mariners. You think back two weeks ago. Their their odds to make the playoffs were exactly ninety nine point seven percent too. So I don't know if you want to take that as an omen. Maybe maybe you don't want to hear that. Um, but I thought that was a uh, um, you know sort of weird symmetry there. But um, again, I, I really feel like, and the Mariners feel like more importantly, they're obviously still in a really good position here. They had an awful road trip. They went three and seven. But as you said, kind of in the build up and the lead in here, Stacey, the silver lining is the Orioles have not played much better. Yeah. They're four and six in their last ten. They have not taken advantage. And when you look at the Orioles, they have to play at Boston here this week, at New York, and then they close against the Blue Jays too. So that's one of the toughest schedules to close out. And the Mariners have the easiest schedule. So uh, Mariners are obviously still in a really good position. And I, I do feel like, uh, you know, it's it's not safe to make postseason plans yet, but obviously they're in a great spot. Adam, I want to give this guy some love. You mentioned Jared Koenig struggling to find the ball in the outfield, but since he's been up, what is he, six for 16, a home run, a couple couple doubles out there, some RBIs. Um, it's nice to see this young man perform at this level. You don't want to have to depend on him, right? You hope he's just like another piece in this whole thing. But what are your thoughts on him and what do you see his role is on, on this ball club going forward? Yeah, obviously he's been in the lineup every day in center field with Julio out over the weekend. And I think we're going to see him in there all week too. Um, you know, he is really solid defensively. He had a great throw on Saturday get to run around at second that really really kind of saved that game on Saturday um and he just his approach at the plate he just looks um so much more relaxed he obviously made some mechanical changes he got rid of the big leg kick he's just trying to put um bat on ball fine barrels right you hear all the kind of the cliches that hitters say all the time but it's true he he doesn't need to swing out of his shoes he's he's a strong kid he's got um you know good uh, bat to ball skills Make good contact, good things happen, and I think that's what—that's the place he got to down in Tacoma this summer, and and it's continued here. Just obviously in the small sample size, but 
again, just kind of looking at him and talking to him a little bit in the clubhouse, he just feels like he's in a better place emotionally, mentally, and I, the, the results are obviously showing. And obviously, if he can keep that up, uh, just be solid here through the week until Julio gets back. I think the Mariners would be really, really happy with that. Let's talk about when that could be. Uh, what's the latest on Gino and Julio? Yeah, again, G- Gino, you know, I think he'd cut off his index finger and, and be right, right back in the lineup if, if he had to. He's got that Ronnie Lott mentality, just wants to play. And obviously they need him. I'm, I'm expecting him to be back in the lineup, uh, likely as a designated hitter tomorrow in the series opener against Texas. Again, Julio's not eligible to come back till next week. Um, no real update there. I think they're just trying to get him as much rest as possible, let that thing calm down. Hopefully can find some rhythm against Detroit in that last uh, regular season series and, you know, pick it up into the playoffs because clearly they need him. Um, Julio, this is just a totally different lineup, a totally different team with Julio out there, and it's been obvious. Um, these last few games without him. Just around the break, we continue to diagnose what exactly is ailing this Mariners team as they have a magic number of six tonight. What is going on with them? Brock and Salk way long ago in the wee hours of the morning today. At least that's what it feels like. They had a conversation on what they think might be ailing the Mariners the most right now. We talk that next coming up on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Coming up in 15 minutes, we wrap up the show with a round of pepper, looking at some of the biggest headlines in Major League Baseball. Right now, we're all doing our part to diagnose what's going on with this Mariners ball club. They are mired in a funk, to say the least, as they wrapped up their road trip going 3-7 and seven against the A's the Angels, and the Royals, three teams that, look, on any given night, you probably should be beating, especially if you're a team like the Mariners that is this close to their first playoff berth in over two decades. Well, Brock and Salk, earlier today on Seattle Sports Station, they tried to diagnose what's going on with this Mariners team and if they can get back on track. The Mariners blowing an 11-2 to two lead in the sixth inning is yeah. truly remarkable, Brock, and about as bad as you could as you could have. I mean, like, it was horrendous. It was terrible. So so if I fly back from Oklahoma yesterday morning. We go to church, uh, and we come home, and I, to my pleasant surprise, Titus and Macy wanted to go on a bike ride. I'm like, what do you guys think about a bike ride? I think the game at that point was 1-1. No, we were down 2-1. I'm like, let's, uh, let's go for a little bike ride. I'll, I'll DVR the game. And, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll wait. It was right before the Seahawks game. And, you know, great. So we go for the bike ride. And eventually we have to take a little water break. I peep down at my phone. I'm like, I'm, I'm fist pumping the air like you wouldn't believe burning extra calories. Like, this is amazing. You know, like, cause it didn't, what does Mariner score? Eight runs? Like nine, two? Like, I'm mm-hmm. nine, two. Yeah. You know, here we go. We're going to be five up on the Orioles. They lost. Let's go. Greatest bike ride of my life. Get back to the house. Turn on the game. Uh-uh. You've you, uh, So you you've didn't got... watch it live? Uh, no, I couldn't. Oh, I my think. God. Praise, it was so praise. much worse. It's almost better that you had it that way because at least you just got one knockout punch. Because the, the the alternative was paper cut. Uh, you know, body blow. I mean, it was oh. it was a oh. combination of no. I just got uppercut. I got and a broken straight, arm. I got straight uppercut, 
and just and kind of had that out. same sinking, nauseous, vomiting feeling. Like you, you can't write this stuff. Like this just does not happen. But it was errors Jerry's, and sunballs and dinky hits. It was just and walk you name and it. walk and home run and walk <laughs> it was, and walk. It was, it was awful. Yeah, Jerry's. It really words, was awful. Jerry's words were reverberating around my brain. We are feeding the anxieties of 20 years of Mariners fans. That, that was all is I was knocked out flat on the floor. Like that, that's exactly what you're doing. Okay. And, and this, and you couldn't even write this script. You, no, this you would couldn't. not have been believable. Right. I not, agree a, with that. N- not, you just, no, all- you got Castillo, you got pretty, you know, bullpens rested. You can fire those guys and man, uh, man alive. It didn't matter. So what do you think is really happening? Right. I mean, we can sit here and complain and, and you know, we will <laughs> and have. But what's really going on? Like, wh- why is this team tanking the way they are right now? Three and seven on a road trip through three cities where, you know, they're defeated. What's happening? Well, and I, um, you know, I threw I... a poll out last night. Just curious where, where people were. The winner and, and there were people all over the board here by far was the injuries. Julio, Gino, etc. And clearly those are playing a role, right? I mean, Julio's your guy. He's yep. the one who sort of takes the bull by the hand, so to speak, and says, all right, let's go, right? The guy who takes a deep breath, stops the bleeding, all of that. That's been Julio. It should be Hanniger, and I thought it would be this weekend, but it just feels like, and again, he's the guy who called out the organization, et cetera. It feels like Mitch is like pressing the gas, but getting nothing. So you know intense. what I mean? Like when you're trying to go up a hill so in a intense. golf cart. Yeah. And there's you're nothing like, there. You're pressing the gas. And you're like, come on, let's go yes. get up the hill. Press the gas. It's all the way to the floor. Where's the power? <laughs> and it just, yep. he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. In, Maybe Suarez going to come back injury, tomorrow. Injuries are the explanation. That that's like the definitive explanation. Suarez isn't here. Good vibes is gone. Julio isn't here. The best player on the team, a generational player. Someone Marco Gonzalez says is the right. best player I have ever seen. So you take those two significant components. 22%. Not just offensively, Brock, but Correct. defensively. Correct. I mean, you get an so, error from Ty France and a bad play in center field that contributes to the nine-run inning. So that is the I think the easiest explanation. I think what Scott Service said when he was talking about Luis Castillo, to me, this echoed around the team. Cut number six, Mora, if you wouldn't mind firing that. This was Scott Service talking about his ace pitcher yesterday in that moment. And just the, we've, we've said focus a ton. Here's Scott Service's words. Well, he hasn't been as sharp. Uh, you know, there has been some balls missing location. Been in the middle of the zone a little bit. There's no question about it. Um, Luis is a really good pitcher. You know what I mean? Uh, I know him well enough from being around him. Um, he knows he got to finish off this the sixth inning in this game, and he got away from us. And I look again, and it happens at times. You let your guard down, and you can never do that in this league because when you do, you never know when the other team's going to rise up, and, and we lived it today. That's how, that's what I would say, Mike. You think it's you're a concentration letting, issue? You're letting your guard. He calls it letting your guard down, just stepping off of that gas, a little bit of the edge, a little bit of the underdog, chip on the shoulder. Nobody thinks we can do it. We get no credit, and it is so much easier. Whether it is fifth grade little little league baseball or it is the major leagues, mm-hmm. whether it's Pop Warner or it is the NFL, when you can play with that just reckless abandon, nothing to lose. My game Saturday night was about as prime example um, as I have ever seen in my life. Adrian Martinez, 
four years at Nebraska, Mike, just a quick little aside, because I think I, this paints the picture now, the more I think of it. 11,000 total yards, breaks 18 school records, but they can't win one possession games, feels the weight of the world, makes a key mistake, and all of a sudden just goes into a shell. And gosh, I just how are we going to get over this? He never did. He transfers to Kansas State, better culture, underdog mentality, right? Little old, little apple, Manhattan, Kansas, goes 2-0, and and then they lose to Tulane because he wouldn't pull the trigger. He was averaging 110 passing yards a game. He just couldn't do it to the point his head coach, great man, just said publicly, like, we've got to cut it loose. We cannot play with a fear of failure. we got to let it rip. He goes out Saturday night, run of 81,000, plays the game of his life, runs it 18 times, throws for 230 yards, has nearly 400 yards of total offense, doesn't make a mistake, and just let it rip. So, Did not so- let his guard down those words reverberate and on top of it those are two different things you're saying two things and i'm curious which one you mean more letting your guard down is we believe we're so good that we don't have to take this seriously getting caught up in the the hey i've about to break 80 or 90 or 70 for the first time and i'm coming up on 18 and i get tight and it screws me up those are two completely different mentalities but they're right which are you saying is the problem (laughs) but they are right there from the and they populate the mind from the neck up well i agree with you it's neck up but you i'm curious which which of i'm gonna lean i'm gonna lean into the manager i'm gonna lean into the manager on this devastating road So you trip. think it's concentration. You the think they're, they're, to, they're too big for their britches. The fact that he has to call these guys together, not even too big for their britches, but an understanding, it doesn't matter the, if we're playing a bunch of minor leaguers. It doesn't matter if stats says we have a 99.9% chance. It That's doesn't matter. too big matter. for your britches. Yes, it doesn't matter if you think that you can just show up against these guys and roll out there and not concentrate on every pitch, every out, every inning, every game. Because you just ate pretty significant humble pie for uh, for a series, three series that that you don't win against these teams on the other yeah, side. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know whether it's that. I think it's more the other the other thing you were bringing up. I, I think it Pressing is expectations they've not lived yeah. under before. Yeah, and it's and, funny. I, I throw this poll out, and that was the lowest percentage uh, of people. Most people, forty two percent, said injuries. Mm-hmm. Next was they're just tired. The pitching, and they're right about that, right? I mean, these yep. guys, Gilbert and and, uh, and Kirby, and Kirby, and those guys are Brash. in short of territory. Yep. Some people said they're just not good enough. I mean, <laughs> fine. But the last one to me is the is the biggest fifteen percent saying just the weight of the expectations, the weight of this drought. The, the that feeling of, hey, I'm about to break whatever your number is for the first time. Yep. Oops, shank. Yep. <laughs> Oops, duff. Oops, miss putt. Right? I mean, like, anybody who's ever played golf knows that's what happens. You you get in your own head yep. and and feel like, yeah, oh, my I, God, yes. and then you tighten yep. up. Yes. Those, those, you know, and I'm a psych major, and you know what? I way too many times reflect back on the voices in my own head, in my yep. own career, but I know that there are others that struggle in that same capacity. I know that's human nature. I know that when you've not done it before and you've never finished, right, and you've not been in this experience, that there is no substitute 
whatever the career, whatever the profession, whatever the performance, there is no substitute for experience, having been there and done it and what that tells yourself and how different your self-talk is and how different your mind is when you've done it and you know it and you believe you can do it versus, yeah, come on, come on, somebody pick it up, come on. Hey, make sure you are downloading the Extra Innings podcast on seattlesports.com. Every hour of every show, not just Extra Innings, but every show you hear on Seattle Sports Station is going to be there for you. You've got Brock and Salk. You've got Bump and Stacey. You've got Wyman and Bob. They are all going to be there at your fingertips at seattlesports.com. You can download the Seattle Sports app. You can also download every single hour of every single show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Wherever it is you get your podcasts, we are there for you Really, really cannot thank you enough for making Extra Innings a part of your Monday evening here on Seattle Sports Station. We've got one more segment to go. It's Pepper. That's how we wrap up every single edition of Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome into Extra Innings. We wrap it up as we do every single edition with a round of pepper, taking a look at some of the biggest headlines in the world of baseball. And we're going to look at the Mariners game from yesterday in a different light because prior to the game, you had Robbie Ray and Luke Weaver of the Royals doing a national anthem standoff. And if you're not familiar with what that is, is one player from each dugout. It's kind of designated prior to the game, usually somebody who's not going to be playing at all that day. And both Ray and Weaver are starting pitchers, so they weren't going to pitch in this one. And it is their duty to stand on the warning track in front of the dugout for as long as possible until the umpires kind of have to intervene and tell everybody to go to their dugouts. Basically... A staring contest, as it were, but just who can stay at attention of the American flag the longest after the national anthem has been played. It's a it's something that happens in a lot of like high school games, college games. You don't see it too often in Major League Baseball, but we saw it yesterday. Robbie Ray getting help from his teammate Sailor Chamel, giving him some water. I saw Marco Gonzalez spraying him down with sunscreen. Uh, Robbie Ray won the National Anthem standoff. In, in, in fact, let's take a listen. Here's Dave Sims' call on the Mariners Radio Network. Hopefully, no fire. Get out of here. Get out of here. He's going over to the uh, Royals. Hey, come on, he's waving them off. Get out. And now the third base up for Marvin Hudson. You got to go. You got to go. Cut it. Cut it. And now Marvin Hudson's telling Robbie to get lost, too. Now Marvin Hudson's coming down. He's the third base. Gotta go. I've not seen this get to this point. Now, oh, no, Robbie, no. Wins. Robbie wins. Robbie won. The Royal dude <laughs> took off. Robbie raises his fist to the Mariner fans here at Coffin oh. Stadium. Robbie Ray with the W to get the Mariners going here. Oh. The final road game of the season. Now, that's just some good, clean fun. All right? You can't get mad at, at these two teams making light or, or, or just having fun on a Sunday prior to the game. They're not making light of the national anthem. I'm saying that they're just having a good old time. No one got hurt. No one got offended. Nothing. And yet, home plate umpire Adrian Johnson managed to eject both of these guys for their participation in the national anthem standoff. 
buddy. There was no one hurt or injured or there was no disrespect at all between the two sides. Like, this is, yeah, the game may have gotten held up for like a minute or two minutes, whatever. But we all know we're not going anywhere during a three-hour baseball game. Like, our, we know we're in it for the long haul. What's an extra minute tacked onto the game? That is an ump show if I've ever seen one. Robbie Ray and, and Luke Weaver, I hope next year you guys can can get a rematch the next time the Mariners and Royals face off. Uh, no one should have been ejected because of that. That's insane to me. Get over yourself. Jeez. How about some history that we saw over the weekend? On Friday night, Albert Pujols was two home runs away from 700. He hit 699, and he didn't wait very long for number 700. Pujols into the air. It's deep to left. Taylor's back at the wall. It's 700. Albert Pujols has joined the 700 home run club. Just an awesome, incredible moment for Albert Pujols hitting home run number 700 at Dodger Stadium. You only wish that he could have done it at Bush Stadium. That would have been the the sweetest send-off to his pro career, at least the regular season send-off for Albert Pujols. The fact that he was able to do it in the St. Louis Cardinals uniform is incredible uh, unto itself. The fact that he has had sort of a resurgence this year. His OPS is above 860. He's got 21 home runs. I mean, this is obviously the DH role being in the National League now over the last couple of seasons has been a huge huge lift uh, to his career it is great to see someone who is as universally respected as Albert Pujols put up the numbers that he has the 700 home run club one of the most revered clubs in all of baseball history only four people have joined that club Pujols Babe Ruth Hank Aaron and Barry Bonds who had 762 home runs obviously that record's not in danger of falling as Pujols is likely to hang it up after the end of the season um, but just getting into some of the numbers on Pujols's career 700 home runs uh, 500 of those have come against right-handed pitching 200 against lefties he's hit more home runs on the road 369 than he has at home 331 he's got four three home run games 61 multi home run games he has 154 first inning home runs. That is the most of any inning that he has hit his home runs in. He has hit a home run against 455 different pitchers, which I believe is a major league record by itself. And how about these? Uh, obviously, he's hit more home runs at Bush Stadium than any other stadium in his career. That's not a surprise. But how about this? The most home runs he's hit against an opponent, that'd be the Houston Astros, 62. Now, when Houston left the National League for the American League, I wonder if they were like, all right, we get to escape Albert Pujols finally. And then he goes and signs with the Angels, and it's like, nah, I'm following you right here in the American League now. Uh, Pujols, 120 home runs at Bush Stadium, most of any venue he had quite a few more at the previous Bush Stadium too so he had 62 against Houston 120 at the second version of Bush Stadium and then the most home runs of any road venue that belongs to PNC Park 34 home runs off the bat of Albert Pujols just an incredible career that he has put forth 
and hope to see him have a moment or two in the postseason as Cincinnati or as uh, Cleveland, I should say, or Cleveland as St. Louis. Let's get the team right, Curtis. Okay, as the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing deep into October. More serious note: Hurricane Ian. There's going to be a big impact on the sports world. There's a lot of sporting events happening in the southeastern part of the United States, obviously, with college football, with the NFL, and with baseball. Uh, there could be a potential impact on big games. The Mets and Braves have a series this week in Atlanta, and obviously there is plenty on the line in that series in terms of the NL East race, in terms of that first wild card spot in the National League. Uh, Major League Baseball monitoring the situation in the southeastern portion of the United States, whether or not they need to move that series. Now, there is the possibility that that series gets moved to New York and gets played at the Mets' home stadium. The problem is that is a massive home field advantage for the Mets, even if they will be designated as the road team, because these are designated home games for the Braves. Uh, I think the hopeful... Second option, other than playing these games in Atlanta, would be moving them to a neutral site uh, where neither team has a distinct home field advantage so that the Mets don't basically capitalize on three extra home games, especially with how tight the NL East has been. And, you know, there's a significant, significant advantage to winning your division, not having to play those three wildcard games in order to get into the divisional round of the postseason. The Mets and Braves are obviously two really good teams and, and two teams that I expect to be there in the National League Division Series. But you don't want to tempt fate. You don't want to have to play in that wild card round if you if you can prevent it. Also in Major League Baseball, I thought this quote was really, really good and really hit the nail on the head. This comes from Spencer Torkelson, who is uh, one of the game's top prospects He plays for the Detroit Tigers. He was the number one pick in the draft during the 2020 season, first baseman. And it kind of speaks to the role that the Royals played this week with the Mariners. The A's played with the Mariners. The Angels played with the Mariners. You look at all these teams that are out of it, and they've got nothing to play for. They've got absolutely nothing to play for other than basically getting more ping pong balls in the draft lottery, which is going to be new this upcoming season. Spencer Torkelson had this to say after the Tigers helped eliminate the Chicago White Sox this week. He said this, he goes, you can put your tail between your legs and just mope around the rest of the season, or you can go out there and try to ruin someone else's season and say, hey, if we're not going to the playoffs, neither are you. That's kind of been the attitude. And yeah, the Mariners have the easiest schedule on paper the rest of the way, just as they did prior to this road trip. You had 20 games against teams that were well below 500. But you know what? These are teams that have major leaguers just as much as the Mariners do. These are teams that are filled with professional players. And look, winning is is the only thing that these guys care about. They don't care about ping pong balls in the draft lottery. They don't care about anything that could potentially happen three, four years down the road. Like, do you think it matters to anybody on the A's roster right now that they could have the number one overall pick who could be on the roster two, three, four years from now? Like, that makes no one on the A's roster cares about that. No one on the Nationals roster cares about that. They care about winning, and that is exactly what 
these teams are looking to do right now. And that, I, I think, to me is why these last 10 games and why the previous 10 games before that have been and are going to be so treacherous for the Mariners because they are going to get these teams' best shots night in and night out. Really appreciate you stopping by here on Extra Innings on this Monday night. Make sure you're downloading the podcast, seattlesports.com. I'm Curtis Rogers. That's going to do it for me. This has been Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.